Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast with the Switch to Manual guys. I'm Antonio, and instead of Tom, we have our Canadian friend, Max Sokolsky, from the Shutter Time with Sid and Mac podcast. Thank hey, you for having me. Thanks for coming. Thanks for thanks for staying up. Well, it's not late for you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's much nice and early for me now. It's nice and early. Well, you're you've this is uh this is our fifty sixth episode, so I'm pretty excited that you're you're joining us. And well, I'm uh, excited to be joined. Um, <laughs> we're joined at the hip. <laughs> and I mean, fifty six episode, man. It's getting closer to one hundred. It is. I don't think I'll get that before the end of the year, but uh, who knows? Hey, don't say never. Don't say never. <laughs> if I really, really work hard, maybe I can get them out before the end of the year. But yeah, I mean, I figure we reach a threshold and we just keep going. So yeah. Oh, might as well. Yeah. yeah. So people are listening. You can. You, you got to do something for your listeners, right? People are listening. Obviously. Obviously. Well, right? I hope they are. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, you get the donations. You've got you've got PayPal stuff. You mm-hmm. got people. You know, do you have any people signing up for the reviews? Actually, we don't have that many that many reviewers yet. So uh, that's taking a little turn for the uh, slow. <laughs> okay, well, so, uh, but still, I mean, you you still get donations and stuff. Yeah, people yeah. are still sending you money. Well, speaking so. of which, uh, um. The guy who, uh, our photographer who was on the last episode, 55, um, my new friend, Jeffrey Stone, uh, after the podcast, he sent a donation to Street Shots Podcast. And Very nice. It was incredibly nice. It was an incredible surprise. And uh, I was really excited that he did that. And um, Jeff, uh, thank you very much from both Tom and me and Mac. Mac says thank you, too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you're keeping my favorite podcast alive, so yeah. Oh, that's you. a that's a big thank you. <laughs> it was, yeah. It uh, goes a lot to 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 uh, support us, and so there, uh, Jeff, you are tonight's, um, uh, you know, you're tonight's producer. You're you've produced tonight's show, and there's some money left over for uh, to get some suds too. <laughs> <laughs> So are you saying you're flying me down to New York? Oh, well, yeah, I don't think there's that much. <laughs> oh, oh well, oh, got well, my hopes yeah. up, you know, and it's just like, no, but are you also saying that if I'm on your show, that means I have to make a donation? Well, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. This is not, I'm not, I'm not quite corrupt enough yet to say that. Yeah. Not yet, eh? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> It's coming. It is coming. Yeah, yeah. I was the you know start wearing an orange toupee. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> we don't get very political here. Well, maybe we do sometimes. <laughs> maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes. But but then this this episode is brought to you by Lonely Streets, Lonely Dot Streets from Instagram. That's Jeffrey Stone. So thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Lonely Dot Streets on Instagram. Really, really appreciate that. So yeah, so it's uh, so yeah, we're getting some donations uh hopefully we're picking up more audience and uh i think i have to do a better job of marketing so everybody out there tell your friends your photography friends to listen um i think we're doing a good job so no you do you're doing a very good job i have to say that so 
We just need a marketing um, department. <laughs> yeah, sort yeah. of. Well, the thing is, same with same with Chinatime, but we also need a marketing department. Yeah. Well, maybe we can find somebody together. And hey, that's a good idea. Yeah. Hmm. If if anybody out there knows good marketers who are uh, who can be bought with beer <laughs> <laughs> and pizza and pizza, please let us know. Both of us. <laughs> And maybe moose jerky or uh, moose, wild moose, bison jerky. Moose jerky? Does that exist? Yeah, of course it really? does. Really? Bullwinkle jerky? Oh. Yeah, bullwinkle jerky. Oh, I like moose. But not the not the not the uh, the squirrel jerky. Squirrel jerky. I, I've never, yeah, I I've like never had those too. Well, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, <laughs> you live a totally different lifestyle. Yeah, we are weird. <laughs> We're Canadian. Someday I'd like to visit, especially days like today when it's 90-something degrees in New York City. It's a little bit cooler up here. I would think so. But so, not much. Not much. Not much. No, no it, gets, it gets pretty hot. We got, we got pretty nice hot weather in May. Really? Uh, we got, yeah, we got to about 88 Ooh, or so. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, so it's not that cold. Yeah, that's respectable. That's respectable. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can, I can see the thermometer from here. <laughs> Speaking of seeing... By the way, yeah, yeah. I wanted to, uh, um, I wanted to talk about lenses, uh, in in such a way that in the sh- in the uh, street shots podcast style, you know, not. Too- I see, sort of keeping the keeping the shutter time art of arting, kind of. Um, oh, you mean kinda. like yeah, like we're copying you. Yeah, <laughs> we just follow your lead. We hear what you guys well, are doing and we're like, okay, well, we'll just wait a couple of months and then we'll do the same thing. <laughs> no, but this, 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 this whole idea of art of arting is, is, is really interesting. And I think this, this. Well, explain that, explain that. This, this is what you guys are doing. So why don't you tell us? Well, it's, it's more of our, we, we decided on, on our show that, you know, everybody's talking about cameras, how great they are and how wonderful they are and that. Uh, full frame cameras are better than media, than mm-hmm. than the crop sensors and blah 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 blah. blah. And Sony is better than Fuji, or Fuji is better than Canon, and blah blah blah. We decided that it, it, as fun, as much fun as it is to talk about new cameras, it's a lot more fun to actually talk about the stuff that comes out of your camera and why is it's coming out of your right. camera mm-hmm. and why are you pointing your camera at that particular thing. And what, why your settings on that camera make your vision come true. And this fits not because it's a shutter time thing, but I think overall, mm-hmm. um, switch to manual also was is a lot more about art than the actual technical part of photography. Yeah, I like right? I you know we like to do that because, like you said, there are so many other people covering the technical parts. And, and I think it's, it's more fun. It's more fun to talk about the 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 the, the yeah, art, the actual the art, of art of it. Yeah. Well, exactly. that's why I got into the photo. That's why I think I got into photography. It wasn't because the cameras really jazzed me. I mean, when I was growing up, I had these little dinky cameras. It was the the act of making the picture and looking at the results. And so the you know the camera was a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And so that's exactly. kind of in the DNA for me. I mean, not that I can't get off on gear a little bit. I mean, Oh, everybody does. I mean, it's, it's fun when you see, when you see a brand new, you know, medium format camera, that's, that's 
mirrorless and digital and tiny, mm-hmm. and it doesn't cost cost uh, you know uh, a car mm-hmm. or a kidney. Mm-hmm. Then it 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 gets really exciting. Shiny metal objects that we can exactly. Look at. You know, and, and you have to talk about that stuff because that is part of photography. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we're going to talk about the the as you call it the language of lenses. Yeah, which I think it's it's a wonderful t- title for for what we're going to talk about because we're not going to talk about the physicality of the lenses because that's you know physics. Right, it's light. It bends. It goes inside. It focuses and, and and apertures. And who cares? Yeah, yeah. Who cares? We want to talk about lenses and how they define your vision. And and um, to set a technical ground rule, if I may, just to make it mm-hmm. easier for us, can we can we talk in terms of thirty five millimeter, so that we don't have to do all the conversions? Because no, of course. I mean, we're, yeah, we're yeah. Talking, of course. I mean, and the thing is, but 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 when I say ninety millimeter on a medium format. I'm not going to say, okay, 90 millimeter on medium format, that's about 50 on full frame. That's about, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, just for the audience too, so they can, again, since we're not going to be too technical, you know, we're going to talk about sort of what the lens can do to your camera. So you have a medium lens, you have a wide lens. Yes, and then you have... We can go into the numbers, but, you know... Yeah, but the numbers essentially don't matter. Exactly. as, As... as much as your your vision and what you see and what you want your camera to see. Yeah, absolutely. That's the main part. That's the that's the thing. So, absolutely. Um, and one of the things um about lenses, I remember that when I got my first camera, it was uh, a Pentax. Uh, what the heck was it? Pentax Spotmatic, right? Okay. With a screw-on lens. Mm-hmm. And it was a. Uh, a base 50 millimeter lens. Um, so it was a normal point of view lens. And that's the way I saw the world the first time through my cameras. And, and, uh, so I grew up with that as my DNA. I was always, and I remember when I got my first slightly telephoto lens and I was like, Oh my God, it was like a whole different vision, but and we'll get, we'll get into that in a little while, but I just wanted to make sure I remembered it. That's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from mm-hmm. this world of, uh, you know, 35 millimeter film, with the bare bones equipment, uh, and that's you know again it wasn't the the camera was kind of not a piece of crap. <laughs> the Pentax camera was actually no, I mean, built like a tank. Yeah, they are. Uh, uh, they're one of the better cameras out yeah. there. Yeah, a screw mount lens though. I wasn't very good about that because occasionally it would fall off. Um, it didn't have a. <laughs> it did once. I had a. I screwed the lens on, and somehow it. Like just working with it, and I didn't pay attention to it, and unscrewed, it and it fell off. You know, so. Ouch. It, but it still worked. It was fine. It didn't. It didn't break. But, uh, but I, you know, I wanted to think about. Um, yeah, when we said the language of lenses, and I wanted to talk about how the lenses sort of shape your. You know, we talked. Tom and I'd like to talk about the, the your visual voice and stuff like that, and we've used that mm-hmm. phrase a lot. But how these lenses shape your vision of what you want to take a picture of what you want to express. Um, and, and everything has a different, I say vocabulary, every lens has a different kind of vocabulary. Um, and what is it like, how are you going to use it, use these lenses to create your story? And 
I don't mean that as a literal sense, and maybe in some way, but like your story as a photographer, what is, you know, what's going to be your style? What's going, how are people going to recognize you? What are you trying to say? And the lens is going to really play, I'm going to say the mo- probably one of the most important parts. Of course, because the, the, the camera itself, I mean, it's just a mechanical thing that has either film or something digital inside that actually captures the light. But the light is being transferred to that camera f- with the lens. So it, it depends on, you know, if the lens is a, it's a wide angle lens, if it's a more of a telephoto or a, a standard standard, like, like the 50, 50 millimeter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that changes the perspective of your, of your vision and of your, of the world that you're seeing through, because a wide angle lens will give you more of a, uh, environmental access to the, to, to the, to the image. So the subject is not really, it's part of the image, but the, the, it, it fits into a whole, Mm -hmm. right? It, the, the environment around that subject adds to, to the image. You're, uh, when you're saying that, I'm thinking that you know oh, oh, um, the wide-angle lens. Even though our human vision is wide, right? When you're sitting mm-hmm. there and you're walking down the street, you know you can kind of see if you're looking, if you're walking and your eyes are straight, you can kind of see the left and you can see to the right and you can see above you and below you, and you you have a wide vision. But our eyes are more like what would be considered a normal lens, like yes, like a 50 millimeter. Right. So, but a wide lens is almost like our vision in some way because we have wide vision, except we don't see the world in wide format. And it's a, a the matter of physics, the way it, a, a wide lens distorts and um, creates sort of an artificial sense of depth in the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because I go back and forth between a normal lens and a, a very wide lens, or at least that's what I like to do um, because the, it sort of mimics my, my vision. But um, both of them are not really true to life in some way. No, I mean, the, 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 truest, li- the truest lens to life would be a, a 50 millimeter, uh, in my view. Yeah. Um, or how about a that's... 50 millimeter with a, with a very wide <laughs> field of view? <laughs> It can't exist, but you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, but the thing is, when it comes to you know twenty-eight, like for example, wide angle, we're talking about twenty-eight millimeter to that to the or or a little wider. Um, those lenses are are great for for showing the 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 whole scene, including the whole scene, mm-hmm. and they can be quite daunting and difficult to use because you might find that there's a lot more chaos that can be cat or captured mm-hmm. with that kind of lens instead mm-hmm. of focusing on the on the actual subject you're trying to focus you're suddenly presented with an image that the subject is really small yet you have this whole world around this subject and unless you're careful you can actually start talking in gibberish, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you've got so much going on in yeah. that image yeah. that the subject gets completely lost in everything. So then you have to, you know, start talking a different language. Well, you're a landscape 
you do mostly landscapes, right? Mostly. Mostly. And you're going out into the world to uh, depict the landscapes uh, that you see, and you use a wide-angle lens. I do. But do you consider that showing chaos? I mean... No, because I'm, cap I'm I'm trying to capture the 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 the. the for example, people. Alberta Alberta is known for its like like Montana is known for its big skies. Mm -hmm. So you've got a lot of sky with beautiful clouds, and then suddenly that becomes my subject. Everything else is just a filler mm -hmm. into into the image, right? Because taking a picture of just blue sky, I mean whoop de doo yeah. you have to have some some kind of a some kind of an anchor on on that image either being trees ground mountains or you know uh, an old hut that's falling mm -hmm. apart or mm -hmm. a church but the main subject becomes the sky and coming up with a wide angle lens you have that subject as much of that subject as you want as you can capture with a wide angle mm -hmm. so a wide angle in this instant becomes very important. Now, the thing is, though, if you're trying to, let's say, capture a wildlife with a wide angle lens, no, you're not, well, yes, you're going to, well, of course you can, depending on how close you're willing to, to, to come to, <laughs> to Mr. Mr. Grizzly. Right, or the right? moose, if you're trying to get some or moose, moose or, or a bison, <laughs> depending on how close you want to get. Um, the, 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 the idea is that he's not going to be your main subject. It's going to get, he, he might get, it's, that's what I'm saying. It's very difficult to put that subject in an environment that actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. That is not, that the subject does not get lost and, and the image does not start speaking gibberish. You're also talking right? about being able to show a sense of scale too. It, with True enough, of course. I mean, you, uh, you have a bison in your photograph and it's far enough away and you've got trees and sky, you get a sense of. You know, people understand maybe what a what a bison is, you know, and so they can relate mm. to it in some way in terms of size, and you can understand what you're looking at. Well, the only problem with that is the the uh, wide angle lenses tend to distort the, the 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 world as they see it, so they tend to bend it. So things that are actually close are put in a far away distance. Right. Right. Right, so the scale disappears. Um, if you want to really show the scale of the of of an object or or, or something, I think you want to move closer to more of a natural look. Mm -hmm. I think. Hmm. But then you're. Not... Well, yeah, I mean, you would want to go to a, a a less wide lens, but then you're losing the sort of the majesty of something like the largeness of. The sky. Exactly, but, so then, it's, but then a, again, it's a bit of a choice that you have to make, right? Right, and but again, the, the sky becomes the subject of that image. The, mm -hmm. the bison is just another addition to it to make the image a little bit more interesting. Right, right, right. So that's the that's the biggest thing. I mean, um, that's why <laughs> the wide-angle lenses are not easy to to use. I agree. You think they they are. Because they show you so much, but because they show you so much, they show you a lot more than you bargained right, for. Right, exactly. I, I remember the first real wide lens I bought, ah, shucks, 
it was, well, I had a 28 millimeter. So mm-hmm. this is on 35 millimeter film. So we're talking about 28 millimeter, which is a decently wide, but not extremely wide. But well, most it's ex- a standard. It's standard a standard wide. wide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the most wide I purchased was a 20 millimeter, which even though wow. it's only eight millimeters difference from a 28, it's but a huge difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I think the first time I used it, I was on top of the Empire State Building in the observation deck, and I was able to take a picture of my feet and the horizon of New York City at the same time. Yep. To show how much of that that the the field of view was, and um, my my best friend Gene Mealy, uh, who uh, has been on the show, and he uh, taught me something about he was a um, um, he shot a lot of industrial stuff uh, for like annual reports and stuff like that. And he used wide angle lenses a lot. And especially in industrial situations. And I was like, well, how, what do you do with it? And he goes, I try to make um, something out of nothing. And I, I always remembered that from him. And I think he learned it from the photographer that he once worked for. So it's, you know, going down in uh, photography history in a way. Um, but the idea that, you know, if you just take a wide angle lens and shoot something, it it's too much. There's like you were saying, there's too much to be seen. And he ended up saying, you know, if you put something in the foreground and have the rest of the stuff showing in the background, you can create this something out of nothing and you help anchor yourself, uh, mm-hmm. the viewer into the picture and they don't get lost or overwhelmed by the amount of information is there. There's something close to the camera uh, and then the rest of the stuff is in the background that you can see. And I've right. always remembered that that was the sort of the thing that helped me with the wide angle lenses. Cause I, th- I always thought it was, it was way too much. You know, you would just walk around the street with a 20 millimeter lens and it was just like, yeah. Th- again, in the subject that you wanted to shoot suddenly becomes lost in this, in this whole thing. So you have to be, like I said, you have to be really careful yeah. with, with a wide angle lens as I mean, as much as you want to show everything, you just sometimes you just want to go. No, I don't want to show you all that right, stuff. Right, right. I want to crop it down a little bit. It's, it does ask a lot of the viewer, you know, to mm-hmm. to look at all this stuff. Yeah. Um. One thing I was learning about the wide, ultra wide lenses is that you may not want to use them too much at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, people start to look funny. They start to look funny, and they don't appreciate it so much. It's just a little no. side tip, you know, that I'm just remembering. I mean, I might like the pictures when I shoot at a wedding with wide angle. I might like them, but everybody else is like, oh, no. <laughs> so showing a little too much. Well, the thing is, uh, it's, it's a slimming lens. If shot in the vertical position, it's a slimming lens. If, it if will definitely slim you down. It can. It depends on what part of the frame you're in. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You know, um, for, for my street photography, you know, I stick with... Uh, a wide lens, uh, mostly. Um, on my Fuji camera, I have the uh, equivalent of a 35. And as we were talking prior to the recording here, mm-hmm. uh, we were saying how was it? A 35 is like one of the basic street camera lenses. Yeah, it's people... practically de facto the standard of a of a street photographer. Right. It's somewhere uh, in between a normal lens. Normal being like normal human vision or a 50 millimeter lens and somewhere on the other side of a 20 or extreme wide angle. It's right in the middle. But Mm -hmm. um, 
And I've actually, uh, my first bouts with street photography were, were with a much wider lens, with a 28. And when I had to go down to the 35, I had to really change, you know, I was talking, you know, we talked about language of lenses, but I, my, my vocabulary shifted a lot. Mm-hmm. When I went from that wide, wide lens, a 28 to a, a, a 35, I had to really change my, um, what I was saying with my pictures. It was really interesting. And it took me a long time to make that transformation. It's it's funny because when you when you get used to like my first camera was a Minolta, and the only thing I could afford at that time was a twenty eight millimeter, mm-hmm. and I practically shot years on that Minolta with that twenty eight millimeter. Really, it's so I I, I got used to the twenty eight millimeter. I that's why I never liked thirty five. I never liked thirty five millimeter. I I had to teach myself to view the world differently mm-hmm. like you said mm-hmm. yeah it it it's not just switching lenses it's like okay you can switch lenses but you really need to know what, why well, yeah why why are you the switch why are you going to switch the lens um why are you going to start you know talking russian instead of english right for right. <laughs> right that's so. funny though you have to imagine that if your first camera was Minolta with a 28, then you, like, your evolution comes from that. I mean, no wonder you're using, I mean, is, it, is it no wonder you're not doing, you're doing landscapes with wide lenses now? I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm, that's the way right. I see the world is wide. And it's funny because my wife sees the details. She, she, she never really shot with the camera. She, she started with whatever I had mm-hmm. in digital mode. She never when she was younger, she never took any photos. She couldn't care less, really. Mm-hmm. And basically that, she, she came into it fresh. She, she didn't come into it with a baggage of shooting with a wide-angle lens and, and basically telling your world, showing your world as a wide-angle. Right. She just oh. shot with whatever she had. So it was the macros, uh, wide-angles, portrait, everything. It was, didn't matter to her. Oh, that's interesting. Really? So she she was seeing the world in the all kinds of languages. I was stuck on this. Stuck on the one. On, on one, on, on English, and I couldn't speak <laughs> anything else. Right? So it's, and it comes down to it. I mean, whenever you started, whenever you, you shot for a long time, you get used to it. Yeah, yeah, very much. And it's really hard to, to translate yourself into a little bit, narrower point of view or even more narrow with telephotos. Yeah. I was going to, I was telling you this offline, but uh, I knew a guy in my stock photography days um, who used to shoot to, to go to the other side of the scale. He used to shoot with an extreme telephoto lens and being a 300 millimeter minimum or 500 millimeter uh, often shot people doing all these like healthy people doing healthy things. <laughs> In mm-hmm. Colorado, and I, I, you would ask him why? Why would you always shoot telephoto? And he goes, "That's how I see. That's how my eyes see." And the guy actually had better than twenty twenty vision, so in a sense, he almost had a little bit of telephoto ness built into his eyes. And so he was just, you know, he was already speaking the language of telephotos, and so for him, it was natural to go to that. And 
you know, I, I don't speak that language too much. Um, uh, I, I don't see in telephoto, although sometimes I do. Depends on the subject. But yeah, was... but it's but again, you have to train yourself. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You have to know what you're after. You can't just sort of go out on the street and start speaking gibberish. Nobody well, will understand it. I mean, you know, I brought this up a while back, and I, I do it once in a while. The trip I took uh, last year to Jamaica, and I just decided to bring one camera with me, and 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 specifically the Fuji camera with the 35 millimeter lens. And like, that was how I was going to see my trip was mm -hmm. with that lens. That was the, 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 the picture language was going to be that lens and that's it. I was going to be limited to that. And I think I found myself freeing, you know, it was freedom for me that I didn't have to speak too many different languages and have to think too much about Oh, do I need to see this in telephoto? Do you need to see this in you know extreme? Exactly. Angle? Translating translating your world, your vision, into all kinds of different languages. You you stuck with that one language and you were able to say that, oh, there's a bird, you know, right. five hundred yards away. Well, I'm not gonna shoot it because right. my language doesn't speak it that doesn't, bird. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um but that was you know that was an interesting thing. And now I've, I've, I've sort of trained myself to see in, uh, you know, wide angle. What I wanted to mention uh, also about, um, in, in sort of a different way than landscapes with a wide angle shooting street photography, is the, the feeling that I like to get, and you've probably seen it in my pictures, is I like to try to feel, try to get the, that you're in the middle of the mix. Mm -hmm. You know, that you're, you know, that you're, walking down the streets right next to me or you're you're in that group of people somehow like I'm always or you're in that person's face um and wide angle lenses you know whether it's a 28 or 35 when you're shooting street photography really helps to um get that across that you're in the mix and you know when you look through Instagram and you see a lot of street photographers are shooting wide angle and um I would think there's a lot more wide angle street photography than there is telephoto street photography. Yeah, because I, I, that would be me. I, I would be the telephoto street photographer, so, you know, oh, <laughs> hiding in the corner with a big telephoto lens because but, I'm afraid of people. <laughs> so that's the one where they say, "Oh, that guy, he's the he's the yeah. he's the spy, he's the creepy guy." Yeah, that's me. <laughs> it doesn't mean that there's not good street photography done with long lenses. Or telephoto lenses. I I don't mean to say that at all. I, I guess it depends on, on what what your definition of street photography really is, because mm -hmm. some to most people, street photography is being part of the street, and the wide angle, the thirty five, the twenty eight, the fifty, brings you into that street, brings you into the action. Mm -hmm. The telephoto takes you away from the action. You're not part of it anymore. You're an observer from afar no, right yes. so i guess it who who's whose definitions of street photography are really talking about so let me ask you this and i just thought of this you know take two shots one is telephoto of a person you know whatever and one's wide angle and you know i, I this might be hard for you to answer and it's hard for me to answer because we know the what a wide angle lens looks like and mm -hmm what a telephoto lens looks like. But do you think a civilian, <laughs> it's funny to say that. A civilian. A civilian, <laughs> but like somebody who doesn't 
have the background and lenses that we have would be able to tell from those two pictures, from the telephoto shot and from the wide angle shot, you think they'd be able to tell that, you know, one you're in the mix and the other one you're far away? But yes, you I do. think so. You do. I think so. No, because. So what the, is it the, the characteristics that are, that are, are telling people that? Well, the, I, I think with the, especially with the telephoto, the telephoto has a, has this ability of compressing everything into right. one plane. So suddenly everything far away and it gets really, really close and you lose the perspective of, of size. And, um, it sort of tells you that this person is far away because suddenly the church that's far, far away is the same size as the person. And right. okay, everything around them is, mm -hmm. is the same size. Yet with the wide angle, you have to get really close to that person. First of all, you're going to distort them right? for the most part. And everything else, the size makes a difference. That person is big. Everything else is compared to that person. It's small, small. And, and vice versa. Yeah. Right? So, right. So I think I think a normal person would be able to tell that there's a difference between those two images, and and um, by extension, perhaps have some sort of emotional reaction. Of course. Right. Okay. Well, that's that's kind of I cool think. to think about, <laughs> because I always wonder if, like, you know, I'm biased just because, you know, I know what the lenses do, and you are too. You know this stuff, and so you can instantly read the picture. Like the first thing you might look when you when you look at a picture, maybe for us. The first thing that might hit you very fast is that okay, you wide angle telephoto mm -hmm, immediately. Mm -hmm. Like, not not saying that's the only thing that you focus on, but you, you know, when you look at a shot, you know, I okay, it's a landscape wide angle, boom, I'm done. I know that part. And so I was really curious to think that I, I bet people who just don't have the language of photography in their history can also sort of just understand that by just looking at a picture. So that's really interesting to think about for some reason. <laughs> no, it is, it is interesting because you, you're perceiving the world in a different way and you basically start speaking a different language because being in the mix, being in the, uh, close to your subject with a wide angle, because you have to get close to the subject to actually bring them into the frame. Right. Um, puts you right into that subject's bubble of space, right? You wouldn't use a wide angle to shoot a grizzly bear unless you were, you know, wearing the invisible uh, hat or some sort, <laughs> yeah. some sort of thing, right? Or a lot of chain mail on you. Or, or something to that effect. <laughs> I don't think chain mail would, <laughs> would save you from a grizzly, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean. You, you yeah. have to get really close to the subject. Yeah. With the telephoto, first of all, it allows you to be far, much farther away from the subject. So this, the subject becomes less personal to the viewer, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. they're 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 you, they're perceived much further away. They're not in your face. They're not in your in your bubble, in your in your secret space. Have you shot any landscapes with the telephoto lenses, long lenses? Of course. You have? Yes, many okay. times. And it's because uh, you want to focus on one particular yes. thing that you, one yes. particular one particular thing, one part of the part of an image, part of the of the landscape. I, I, I'm not interested and many ha it happens many times when, for example, the, the sky is bright or blue 
There's no definition, no clouds, nothing is happening in the sky. Mm -hmm. And the sky gets really boring. So in the landscape photo, you're really, especially when you when you have prairie and sky and a couple of trees <laughs> for to which you cannot get into because of fences and private lands and stuff right, like right, that. Right, right. It's it's difficult to do to I mean the, the wide angle lens would be boring. You would have a little bit of ground, a little bit of sky, and some kind of sticks on the side somewhere because they're so far away that the a wide angle just right just you know puts them into midgets. Yeah. <laughs> so you want to focus on that. You want to focus and find something interesting. Then the the language of the of the lens changes into more of a close up. Mm -hmm with a telephoto to get closer to that subject to to try to get the detail out of that subject the, you know completely forgetting about the whole environment that the the sky is blue and no no clouds and you know yeah and you kind of and you're kind of putting an exclamation point on the subject yes, in some way exactly you're you're forcing the subject into into your frame yeah yeah so that's 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 Definitely, I've used telephotos for, for. Um, but you tend, landscapes. you tend to you know, the majority of your stuff seems to be more wide angle, right? I because I I guess I see wide angle. Yeah. I see wide. I I taught yeah. myself to see wide. I I guess. Um. So I do prefer wide. Um. I'm kind of hurting right now because of the the, the idea of, of of shooting with film. Why? And what's, what's the, what's well, the, hurting, the hurting is because the, on the digital, what I had is a 24 millimeter. I had 15, 15 millimeters. So that was my space. That was the, 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 the wide, as big, as wide as possible. Right. On the film side, I cannot afford those wide lenses. So oh, I have yeah. stuck with 28 millimeter, which is a standard wide angle. Which is not bad. I'm I'm relearning my to view the world this way, and mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm trying to learn to view the world in other languages. Yeah, be yeah. more telephoto, more normal viewpoints, because really? these are yeah. lenses that I have. Right. I mean, that's one of the reasons why why um, why I bought the 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 Kiev, because of course when we're talking about language of the lenses. We're also talking about the depth of field mm -hmm. to be technical part of the, of, because that's part of the lens, right? Right, right. If, if it's, the aperture is wide open, you get a nice um, out-of-focus space, bokeh, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep. And when you close the aperture, all that stuff becomes in focus. Right, right. So depending on the lens, on the lenses, like for example, uh, the I have the Mamiya RB67, which is a medium format camera. It's it's a huge medium it's a format. Huge tank. And it's, it's a film it's a film camera, let's just be clear about it. It's a it. film camera, of course. That's yeah. one of the reasons I went with film, because I want medium format. I was I always loved the look of medium format, but with fast lenses. So I need the 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 depth of field, the view. Mm -hmm. the, I that's that's my medium. I love that stuff. So you mentioned the Kiev. Explain so the what Kiev, that camera is. The reason for for Kiev. Well, what is the is, Kiev? If Kiev is an old Rusky, uh, Russian type camera, medium format, mm -hmm. 
the Russians were very good at copying stuff. So they copied the lens mount of the uh, another style. I can't remember exactly what it was, but uh, some of the Kievs were just like Hasselblads. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Bore, yeah, the the Kiev eighty eight. I think it's a it's a basically a Rusky Hasselblad. Wow. Um, it works that. the same way. It has the same same idea, same body style. The Kiev that I have is a 6S, and it's more of a DSLR type. Okay. So similar view of a DSLR type. Is it like and, the? It's like it looks like a. Oh, is it like the Pentax, the old Pentax medium format cameras? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like the Pentax okay. sixty-seven. Right. There was a Pentax camera that was a medium format, larger film style, one twenty camera that looked like a thirty-five millimeter camera had been it, like Godzilla-ized. Yeah, exactly. And that's <laughs> yes. that's basically what it is. I mean, I I had that Pentax. I'm kicking myself to this day for selling it mm-hmm. because those Pentax right. <laughs> <laughs> like triple the price and there it's a gorgeous camera if you can find the cheap working good condition one grab it oh yeah so grab the, it. so um i'm gonna think that you're gonna go more wide lenses on those cameras no no i don't want to, no because really? i i want to go closer because really? of the depth of field and the the nice thing is with the with the kiev and that was the reason i got it was the lenses are at least f2.8. Okay. 90% lenses of, on that camera are f2.8. So that gives me a lot of um, You can get a shallow, shallow depth of field. A really shallow depth of field to work with. Yeah. Mamiya doesn't have that. The, the, I mean, the fastest lenses are 3.5, 3.8, which isn't bad. It's not what I want. It's I not see. exactly what I want. It's not the language that it speaks. So that's one of the reasons I, I, I got the Kiev. I would love the Pentax because the, the, the Pentax has one lens, the 105 millimeter F2.4. It is absolutely gorgeous. I, 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 when I first used it, I loved that lens. Mm-hmm. I love the, the, the language, the vision it created. It's, it was perfect. Really? And this was an idiot, and I sold it. You sold it. Yep. That, that lens on that camera is about um, equivalent to what? It's like a, it's a slightly more telephoto than normal lens, right? Yes. This Not was too a, much. It's a, it's a more of a portrait lens. Portrait lens. Uh, if you want to convert it into a 35 millimeter world, you're looking at about 80. 80, yeah. 80 millimeter and bokeh was like 1.4. But because of the medium format, because of the, the lens mechanics, the physics of the lenses, the bokeh might be the same, but it's different. The, the look of it is different. Hmm. And anybody that shot with the medium format can can attest to that. The, the, do you have any you have any pictures that you shot with that? Yes. Do you have them scanned? Yes. Okay, so we can maybe put one in the one or two in the show notes. I'll have to ask my wife. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, well, that's fine. No, don't no pressure. <laughs> but it's it's actually it's one of my favorite photos of of my wife that I took. Uh, well, we won't push it. It's that. nothing. It's nothing personal. Nothing. Okay. No nudities or anything. 
<laughs> I wouldn't even mention that photo if, if it was obviously like, yes. No, we would get in a so. serious trouble. You you were talking about actually you're talking about I mean let's just shift for a second when you said portrait lenses. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that you know I think you and I know about. I don't know if everybody knows about. Um, but I like to think of a, a portrait lens as something that's in between our normal vision and an extreme telephoto. We kind of lens that you might use to take a portrait with is what the name comes from. Exactly. And uh, you talked about it being that lens being about equivalent to an 85. And I always thought a portrait lens was somewhere like, actually, I might go from like 85 millimeter to 105 millimeter. Uh, maybe even pushing to 135, but that's pushing it. Um, but, uh, I want to just say, I want to mix up something here. I had bought an 85 millimeter tilt shift lens. Okay. Mm. Now everybody out there is probably knowing what tilt shift is because they've got the little stupid filters on (laughs) Instagram and whatever the heck else to create a tilt shift effect. But, um, let me describe what a tilt shift lens is does in reality in case you don't know is that the actual physical lens can tilt and in one or two directions a horizontal and vertical or or both and then the lens can actually shift up and down um so it can go sort of i had to describe this above the camera and below the camera or or to the left and the right of the camera so the lens isn't necessarily centered anymore with the camera it can slide around it's kind of basically what I'm thinking about. And I bought this lens, this tilt shift lens, because Nikon had finally come out with one because they were competing with Canon. And I used it as a portrait lens because it was 85 millimeters. And so it had that slightly telephoto look. But I used the the little uh, shifting abilities of this lens to do these kind of interesting portraits of people where maybe their eyes were just in focus and the rest of them were out of focus. Uh, I never really did those landscapes with tilt shifts. <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't something I really liked. I actually bought it for doing portraits. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that, but that was like what I was trying to, I never, what ended up happening was I never really made enough. I never really got uh, enough from that lens that I ended up, if we go with the language thing, speaking that language for a long time, it wasn't a language that I picked up very easily. Uh, and, and so the lens ends up sitting on my shelf and, uh, I don't speak it anymore. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> no, I, I understand completely because I've, I've actually had, had a, a 90 millimeter Canon, uh, tilt shift, uh, That's for a while. That, that was the one that Nikon was competing against. Yeah. And, um, well, first of all, it's a manual lens, so right, there's no right. autofocus. But one thing I found, what I found with that lens is I really, really like the tilt shifty part. The tilt and I've used it. I've used it for landscapes. I've, oh, really? I've, oh. Yep. I've tried a couple. Not, not. It wasn't wide enough to create the the minimalistic effect or the min, the miniature effect, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? But it was still great enough that you could it was interesting you can create interesting effects it, it it is an interesting lens it's a very um you know if we go with languages again it, it's a very limited vocabulary though yes I mean, it's, it's a very limited just like the fisheye is a very limited vocabulary yeah. lens actually that you know f- again following that i'm thinking 
a lot of these extreme lenses are are very limited uh, vocabulary. So um, yeah, they have the they have the, the 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 whatever they need to do, and that's about it. Right. Uh, one time I had uh, I'm not showing off here because I've had a long photography career, so I have a lot of stuff, but. One time I bought a 500 millimeter lens from a friend, um, which came in its own trunk. <laughs> Literally, this thing was like a, was a trunk. And I had a, a teleconverter on it, which is, for people who are listening or don't know that, will actually increase the focal length of the lens by whatever the teleconverter factor was. And I actually had a two times teleconverter, which means wow. instead of a 500 millimeter lens, it turned it into a 1000 millimeter lens. Mm -hmm. Now, a couple of nights ago, I was looking through a telescope looking at Jupiter, and that was the equivalent of a 900-millimeter lens. So you can just now imagine what I'm looking at with a 1,000 millimeters. And I bought this thing from my friend. It was a few thousand dollars. It was back when I had money. <laughs> <laughs> and I one time schlepped it with me to uh, Holland uh, with my ex-wife. We went on a trip, and you know, amongst all my other gear, I brought this trunk with this 500-millimeter lens. And I realized that I couldn't, there wasn't much I could do with it. There really wasn't, um, I, I couldn't do, I really couldn't do anything with it. And the only time I really used it was when I was shooting um, stealth fighters taking off of a, a U.S. air base in, in Holland. It was actually the time when they were launching uh, attacks in the former Yugoslavia when Clinton was launching. And he was, they were launching these fighters from there. And I was at the end of the runway, and I was getting these great shots of the planes coming at me. And that was about it, <laughs> you know? And I, I found that I, I, again, it wasn't a very large vocabulary for me. And it really wasn't my language. I mean, I love taking pictures of the planes, but it wasn't something that I, you know, desired to do or, uh, for a long period of time. And so I ended, up, I ended up selling the lens. I mean, really, I think the other thing I took was pictures of the World Trade Center from my apartment. I, could, I had a really good view of the World Trade Center, and I could literally photograph. You could see the people on the top of the World mm -hmm. Trade Center, distinctive little people walking up there on the, on the observation deck. And I was like, okay, and maybe a couple of sun disks, right, once in a while. But after that, I was like, okay, well, that that's it. That's not what I do. I'm not a sports photographer. I'm not a you know, paparazzi or somebody who needs to have that many, you know, that long of a lens to shoot. And so again, it was just not my, it wasn't my language. And so I ended up selling it and I kind of miss it. I mean, I kind of wish I had it now, but I think I would have had this, I would have the same issues today with it. So, you know, when we talk about these lenses, there's these things that we want, and but they can be very limiting, you know? Yes. And, and, and that's where your vision comes in. And, um, you, the, the way you perceive the world, the way you want to communicate with the world is the language you choose. So you either choose uh, that 500, which basically says, hello, how are you? And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, At least, and, yeah, yeah. And, and then you, it has its applications because, you know, you don't want to come up to a grizzly with a 28 millimeter that's, no, no. you know, nope. chatting like a like a idiot. You want to go far away and say, hello, how are you? And that's it. That's all you want to say to that bear. So I'm, I'm guessing that. Far, far away. I, I think from what, when I listen to your show, it sounds like Sid has either lots of very long lenses or had lots of long lenses or, you know, but since she's shooting uh, wildlife, I'm sure that is her language. 
the yes longer lenses. Exactly. Yeah. So and that's and that's you know these are your this is your vision, right? So this is how you explain your vision to the world. You either chatty with the wide angle and you know chat away and and of course depending on how you chat away you can be talking gibberish and nobody understands right. that <laughs> your 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 vision or you could be you know talking fast and and a lot with a lot of view a lot of stuff in your image which actually makes sense mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you can have you know the the hello how are you that tells the whole story with one hello right 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 so i mean that's that's your so it's your it's your vision essentially it's it's what you want to do it's what you really want to perceive and say to the world with with your images what you were saying before is is so true um that you really need to spend the time learning these things it's like it's like learning a, a, a completely different language. I mean, yes. yes, the 50 is going to be more natural because it's it's the way you see the world, the way you perceive it. But any other lens is 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 another language, is another way of communicating. But even with a normal lens, even with like a, you know, you think you know all the nuances of it, but I don't think you do. It's like everybody gets, when they buy a camera and they get a kit lens, let's say it's, well, they usually have a zoom lens, so you go from a wide angle to a normal-ish or slightly telephoto. Mm-hmm. But um, you, you kind of, there's that assumption like, oh yeah, well I got this lens and yeah, I can do all this stuff with it, but you're really only scratching the surface. So you know, if you went around with just a normal lens on, yeah, that's your that's your vision, that's your um, the equivalent of a human vision, but you still don't know all the nuances of it. I mean, you could see somebody who's been working with, let's say, a, a normal lens for their entire life. Mm-hmm. That's a person who can write poetry with that lens, and that's that's what basically learning photography is. Well, it's like an ongoing practice. I mean, of course, you're you're always learning you're always learning. More. You're always learning a language. You're yeah. you're always even even people who are born into English are always learning new yeah, ways of true. communicating. Yeah, either by uh, creating a story or writing a poem or. You know, things like that. And you're always learning new words. You're always learning new ways of using that lens to tell your story, to tell your vision, to show, to communicate. So let me ask you this. <coughs> what's the uh, what's the newest language that you're learning now? <laughs> There's got to be now that's uh, The newest language? Because I, I, I have one that I'm going to tell you, but that's why I want, I want okay. you to go first. Uh, the newest language essentially is uh, it's a limited language of film lenses and film cameras. Okay. And the camera doesn't matter. No, the camera doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, at, at uh, yeah, it does, but no, you know what really. I mean. Yeah. To a point, right? It, it's it's just it's a, the a recording device, though. No. Exactly. So essentially, it's it's learning to speak more of a portrait. But in the landscape, uh, nature mm-hmm. view. Mm, okay, explain that a little bit more. <laughs> um, <clears throat> basically, and, and do you have say, any? Do you have any shots that you can share with us? Uh, like, like maybe yes, one? I actually was shooting with the with the Kiev recently. Was shooting a herd of bison. Okay, 
um, with the 150 2.8 lens uh, out in the field. And what so, was that doing for you? What was the? It's a completely different view because you're you're focusing on one item. You're you're dismissing all the other things that are going around you, mm-hmm. right? So you're focus, focusing on the on the wildlife. I uh, I mean, wildlife was part of the part of the the, the scene, right? But yeah, I guess I'm just trying to think what what else did I do with that 150 because that's the, that's what I'm learning right now. It's it's using the 150. I was using the 180 on the Mummy RB67, which is very similar point of view and mm-hmm. very similar language. It's not a wide angle. It doesn't give you the the huge vista of a landscape. It concentrates more of the of the actual details of that landscape and that's the language i want to learn because my wife does it without any issues mm-hmm. i'm struggling with it mm. so it's just one way of of of, of doing it be a nice thing to share with her uh, yeah, no <laughs> you're, you're are you in competition with your wife with no not at all not at all okay. she always thinks that yeah whatever it's okay <laughs> So no, we we're never in competition. Okay, is it is this? Are you at the beginning of this? The middle? Uh, I would say beginning. Yeah. Beginning, middle. It's it's. I'm still learning. It, okay. but again, it again, it's photography. It's a learning process. Yeah, yeah. I think it it so, always so is. Fun. I was gonna say my uh, newest language that I'm learning, which um, I'm actually enjoying a lot, uh, is with a lens baby that I bought. Okay. Okay. And, um, lens baby is, uh, for, you know, we'll put those, we'll put this in the show notes, but it's very easy to find these guys. And they've been around for a while creating these kind of, uh, lenses for Nikons and Canons and Sony's and just recently for Fuji cameras that are, you know, kind of make old style pictures, kind of screw up the image a little bit, put lots of it out of focus or make it look like it's twisting around. It's a, it's a real, um, I, I don't want to say degradation of the image because it's not making it worse. It's just giving the image a look. Uh, and they have many different kinds of lenses that do many kinds of looks, but you know, think of old style photography and like crappy lenses and you, you get the idea. Mm-hmm. And in October, during the photo expo, um, I took my microphone and, and recorder and went to the photo expo and, re- and interviewed the, uh, I think it was the CEO of Lens Baby. He was really, I can't remember his name right now, but he was really uh, happy to talk to me. And they were introducing a new lens uh, that had a Fuji mount on it. And I would work with my other Fuji that has interchangeable lenses. And it was called the Trio 28. And basically it's... Uh, it's almost like a lens baby sampler. <laughs> it's okay. It's this kind of awkward looking lens. It looks really, it does look old style. It's a big aluminum lens. And on the front of it is a, uh, a barrel with three small lenses on it. And that barrel rotates. And each one of those lenses has a different effect on it. And, uh, the, what, what got me into, I've been looking at lens babies for a long time and, and what I've, had against them and this is just me being weird but i thought like well you know if i use this on my pictures it's going to permanently affect the picture and so i was very much into doing post-processing and so i said well if i want this kind of look i'll do it in post-processing 
Um, and so I never really bought a lens baby, even though I always looked at them and I thought, oh, this is kind of fun, but I'm like, yeah, it's not me. And then after talking with this guy and seeing the new lens and just my whole sort of shifting of my, my idea of photography now in general, uh, where I'm trying to do less post-processing and the idea of like, well, you know what, if I had a lens like this, I would actually be able to have a finished piece. I wouldn't have to do post-processing. Right. So, um, I, I bought it. It was not that expensive. I think it was like in the $300 range or something like that. And it's very limited. It's got no f-stops on it, so you're limited to one f-stop. It's very shallow depth of field. But I've been using it to um, – I just used it in uh, the springtime. I did a little series of pictures at the Brooklyn Botanic Garden when I went there with my wife and the, everything was blooming. And um, it's one of my favorite locations to go to. And, you know, everybody probably knows me as a street photographer, but I also love doing botanic photography because <laughs> it's just – something i like to do mm-hmm. and um when i started shooting close up with this stuff with the lens and it and it made these effects on it and i was like it really it um it's the way i saw the stuff that i was looking at so i was looking at uh some hyacinths or i was looking at some lavender or you know whatever the the flowers were and my eye was seeing the the way the lens baby was seeing when I finally took the picture, I was like, yes, that's what I've been trying to get. Interesting. And yeah. And I'll link, I'll put the link. I put a whole gallery up in Flickr about it, but, uh, I, I looked at that stuff and I was like, it was like the kind of stuff I was like, yeah, I would print this and hang it up my wall. <laughs> I don't often do that with my pictures, but, um, it, it was what I wanted to say about the botanic gardens. Uh, right. And in fact, maybe one day I'll put a portfolio together and bring it back to them and see if I can get it, get to work with them again. <laughs> if you guys are listening, Botanic Garden, I would love to work with you again in Brooklyn, <laughs> please. Um, and it was a whole shift for me. This idea of like having the image, I, I, what's a better word than degraded, manipulated in the camera already. Right. You know, it's already done for me, and. Like that was the one thing that was like, okay, well I'm saving some time. And, but this other thing was like, yeah, I can see, you know, the way I'm using the camera, it's almost like an old style two and a quarter medium format camera where you look down, I have the little bendy screen. I look down and I have to do manual focus and I have to take my time. That's part of the other thing is like my technique with my picture has to slow down a lot because I had to manual focus this thing. And, um, you know, I had to choose the right uh, effect that I wanted and you, know, you have to move in and out a little bit and you have to change the exposure using the shutter speeds and the uh, ISO. So it's not what I'm used to. Um, and so the lens is kind of limited in that way. And like understanding how the limitations work to, cr- to create something is a, is a wonderful challenge. And I'm still using it. I don't use it all the time, but I'll take it out once in a while. It doesn't work at family events very well. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite there for like taking shots of kids, you know, even though I would love to, it'd be great to get some kind of portraits of, I, I've taken a couple portraits of some friends with it and, you know, we had some time and so I was doing it they look good, but you know, this is definitely not for, you know, fast action or, or whatever. It's really to take your time. But I noticed that it helped me certainly with my vision and it certainly helped me with, with slowing down. So it's very interesting how a piece of equipment can can help, you know. I mean, obviously, it's augmenting my voice, 
and, and creating, I'm creating a new language and a different language. It's not like it doesn't mm-hmm. take over my street photography. It's something else I want to do, but I get the look and feel and that's what I want. Uh, and it's really, really exciting. And so I went from not wanting a lens baby to now really, maybe I want, you know, another one. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I've learned, I don't think I've, uh, exhausted all the possibilities of this one yet. So maybe I don't really need another one uh, at all, even though I like to buy things, but I don't have any money either. So there you go. Yeah, but that's the, that's the exciting part, right? It's, it's, it's learning the, the, the new languages of of different way of expressing yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's, that's the beauty of the whole thing called photography. I agree. And I think I'm going to end it there because <laughs> it's so... A perfect ending. Yes. It was like you timed that perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, geez, I feel like I could talk about this for another hour, but I'm looking at the time and I think we've just hit our hour mark. So, uh, and this probably, we, we covered pretty much yeah, a lot. And then, you know, this can be continued at some point as we start. Of course. And the thing is, you can add add more add add a different guest that that can have a completely different viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. A, a completely different way of of looking and and viewing that. There's subject. there's so. a few people that I can think of right off the top that uh, that will be for that's where I can get to a hundred episodes. So exactly. <laughs> <I'll> <laughs> see. Actually, it would be kind of cool to talk to Sid and, and hear about her vision uh, with the wildlife, but uh, we'll do that again. So. But yeah, the language of lenses. I hope I hope that was a learning experience. It was for me. And I, I want to see some of your pictures. Um so we can put in the show notes, Mac. Okay. Just a couple. I'll, yeah, I'll see what I can what, what I, I I got plenty. Oh, okay. Then <laughs> plenty. <laughs> Give me plenty. So Well, Mac, thank you uh for coming to uh Street Shots again. Appreciate it. Oh, and thank you for having me. That was a uh, it's always fun and it's it's always yeah i'm so absolutely glad I, awesome to talk to you guys i'm so glad i met you <laughs> i mean same both figuratively you know like online and then actually in person once but it was a fortuitous uh uh meeting and nice and uh it's good to know you yes so I, and i completely agree I, I think that was the that was the best thing i i, I did cool while visiting new york was new york. to call you up and say hey you know meet <laughs> no, I'm busy. I have another <laughs> Canadian. Those, those were your words. I'm going. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you know, okay, now you know me better. <laughs> yep. So, where can uh, everybody who's listening to this find you? Uh, in uh, well, the easiest, the easiest way to find me would be at my website called Mixmedia dot photography um the other thing that from there you can find the twitter and uh instagrams and facebooks and all kinds of fun stuff uh the other place which actually i should link to my main site is the shutter time with sid and mac podcast which of course can be found at the shutter time with sid and mac.com mm-hmm. i listen and... to you guys a lot very much uh, when I'm doing my laundry, <laughs> don't take we're it the, the wrong way. We're huh? the laundry show. Huh? We're the laundry show. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
the laundry show. Well, no, when I have Bart on the show, it's so funny. Uh, Bart Bushots, he talks about like he does things when he listens to podcasts, and so he associates that act with whatever podcast. And so, like, you okay, know, I'm a bike ride. Actually, you guys, I listen to you when I'm laundry or I'm doing my work at my home. One of the two things. So, you guys are. You guys have good associations with me. I love your show. I love hearing your voices in your. Uh, we love your show, uh, definitely. That's one of the reasons I always listen to it. Yeah. Well, thanks. And thank you. Thank you. And uh, that's it uh, for episode fifty-six, Language of Lenses. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at uh, switchtomanual.com. It's a little dusty there. We need to clean it up, but uh, it's working. And you can also find us on Twitter at switch the number two manual to switch to manual. And while you're there, you know, follow me at am rosario, and I also follow Tom at witness photog p h o t o g. Um, we're also on Bookface, as Mac would say, <laughs> uh, Facebook, and uh, what else. Um, oh, if you guys listen to us on iTunes, please give us. Uh, reviews and uh ratings i think that does something for us i don't know gets us up in the charts there i would like to get our numbers back up and uh like we said at the beginning we offer portfolio reviews uh, it's a great way to support the site we look at your pictures uh and uh, give you feedback on them you pay us to look at the pictures there is a free version if you want to just try us out you can give us a shot you know single shot tryout but then uh, we can look at your pictures and uh, give you some professional feedback uh what else are we doing um oh so if you like to support the show like uh our previous guest did <laughs> you can always give us a tip at our Podbean page or on the uh, show notes page. We have a little tip cup there for PayPal, so uh, help support the show that way. And uh, I'm saying this ad nauseum, but I'm close to it. I'm getting my printer working. Uh, that Tom and I will be starting to sell prints from our website, so that'll be another way to support the show. Uh, I've been working on getting my, my Epson printer working so I can start printing and getting stuff ready for, uh, uh, for sale. So if you want to support us that way, you uh, can soon. All right. I, I promise. Uh, anyway, so that's it. Thanks, Mac, again. Um, say hello to Sid. I will do so. And thank you for having me. It's 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 wonderful. Thank again. You. And uh, to everybody else, I'll uh, see you later. And uh, adios. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>